Hello, homemakers. Welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I am your host, Allison Weeks. I am a wife. I am a mom to four grown kids, granny to one baby boy, and I've been practicing the art of home for 31 years now. If you are a new listener, welcome to the podcast. I am so glad that you found us. If you are a regular listener, thanks for coming back. Today on the show, I have another listener homemaker portrait for you, and this is season finale, the season finale of season 15. Yes, we have done, this will be our sixth episode, and so we are all done with this season after today, and I will be taking only one week off before I launch season 16, um, because that's going to be an extra long season, and I like to finish up the fall, the fall season Um, right around Thanksgiving so that I can come back immediately the week after Thanksgiving and start bringing you our holiday homemaking episodes. So for season 16, we will start early and we will actually go a bit longer. Normally our seasons are six episodes long, but next season is going to be eight episodes long because I wanted to be able to get in as many of these listener homemaker portraits as I could before the end of the year. So you have that to look forward to. Well, a little bit about what's going on in my life. Um, I have a big birthday tomorrow when I'm recording, but when you hear this, it'll be my birthday. (laughs) So when this airs on September 20th, I will be celebrating the big 5-0. Yes, half a century. That is just crazy to think of, but I'm grateful I'm so grateful to God for giving me another great year and just his abundant blessing on my life. And I'm going to go out and do some fun things with my family. We've got a fun night out planned with dinner and a nice concert. We're going to dress up and I'm really excited about that. Um, What else do I have going on that I can tell you about? Um, Oh, I'm going to decorate for fall. So every year around my birthday, because it falls the middle of September, it feels like here in South Texas, it is still quite warm, but we have had, there's like a break that happens right around my birthday in the middle of this month. And it's no longer in the triple digits every single day for a week at a time. So it finally feels like fall in South Texas, as fall as we're going to get until about December. And I feel like it's an appropriate time at this point to start bringing the pumpkins out. So that's what I will be doing for the rest of this week. It's something I do every year the week around the week of my birthday to usher in the new season and, and celebrate my, my birthday. It's something I really enjoy doing. I love decorating for the seasons in my home. And so that is something that always marks my birthday every year, fall decorating. Okay, so let's get on to today's episode. I'm going to be talking today with newbie homemaker, Jessica Wood. And Jessica has been married less than two years uh, to her husband, Dallas. And she says, this has been the best one year and four months of my life. Um, She just has such a sweet spirit. And I enjoyed our conversation so much. We talked a lot about expectations and uh, what kind of system she has set in place to keep her priorities in order. She has such really great practical advice and and wisdom and ideas. And so I really enjoyed hearing all of her thoughts and ideas and things that she's implementing in her in her own homemaking. Um, we talk about temptations and challenges and how even though she doesn't work outside the home, she still struggles with the superwoman 
temptation. Um, We talk about hospitality and how she shows hospitality to her husband and how she's been able to show it in a unique way and actually grow in the skill, which she thought would come naturally to her, but it actually didn't. And so she's been needing to practice that. And she had a unique opportunity to practice that by hosting um, people that were visiting uh, her church for some church revival services or a church conference, I believe it was. Anyway, and then to top it all off, she has the most unusual recipe that she uh, shares with us about in her interview. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear that. I, I would love to know if you guys have heard of this as well. You'll know what I'm talking about when when we get there. All right. Well, whatever you are applying your hand to as you listen today, I know that you will enjoy Jessica's story of home. Welcome to The Art of Home. I am here with my new friend, Jessica Wood. She's a listener, and I'm so excited to hear her newbie homemaking story. Um, So Jessica, before we go back to the beginning of your story, why don't you just say hi, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are today. Well, it's so good to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you today, Allison. My name is Jessica Wood. I am 28 years old. I'm married to Dallas Wood. We have been married for a year and four months, and it has been the best year and four months of my life. Oh, It's been a lot of fun. Um, I am an aunt to several little ones, and I'm very recently trying to become a piano player. Very recently. I just had my second lesson yesterday, so that's been a lot of fun, and Above all that, I am a Christian, and I'm just trying to serve the Lord faithfully in my church, in my home, and do all that I can for Him to bring glory to Him. That is awesome. So, piano lessons. Okay, is anybody else in your family musical, or do you play any other instruments? No. No one in my immediate family plays any instruments that I'm aware of. I think my brother might play the drums. Um, but no, not a lot of musical talent there. So uh, I'm trying to pick that up. I don't play anything else either. So this is a, a first time thing. Great. That's awesome. What's your goal? Like you want to be able to just play personally uh, for your own personal enjoyment or play with others or maybe play at church or something like that? I do have a piano at home and I love music. So I like either, you know, Mm -hmm. practicing on the piano or having music going all the time. So very excited to have it there, but I really want to play in church. Oh, awesome. That's great. Okay. Well, let's go back to the beginning of your story. So when would you say that you first became a homemaker and when you did, did you have any skills? I actually moved out of my parents' house in August of 2020. I moved into a trailer and I wouldn't say that was the beginning of my homemaking. Honestly, all I did was sleep there. <laughs> I I worked full time. I ate at my mom's, at my friend's, at my husband's parents' house at the time. We weren't dating, but I would eat there. Um I didn't even have a washer and dryer close by, so I didn't do any laundry there or anything. So I pretty much was just a sleeping place. So I feel like it really started when I got married, which was in April of 22. Okay. And I did have skills. 
when I still lived with my parents, I got to the point where I was doing my own laundry already. You know, I probably should have cleaned more than I did, my mom would say. <laughs> but I had the skills to do it. Um, I knew how to cook. My It just it was kind of natural. It wasn't too much of a learning curve there. And I knew how to bake really well, too. So I had pretty basic skills, I feel like, to get started. Okay, cool. So what's an area that you're struggling with right now? And what are some solutions that you're implementing to help grow in that area? I think right now the biggest thing is time management, Mm -hmm. feeling really overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with keeping up with the house. Um, One thing that I just recently started doing, probably about two weeks ago, is I would make a list for my day, but the list would be so long that I couldn't finish it. (laughs) And so by the end of the day, I was like, okay, I can't do this. And so what I started doing is just making really small lists Mm. for every day of the week. And then as I'm finishing my list throughout the day, if I feel like it's too big, I'll disperse it kind Mm -hmm. of you know, some tasks to another day, or if I finish my whole list, I'll add stuff onto it. Mm -hmm. But that's helped me so much because I get overwhelmed very easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's a good practice. Um, It's good that you recognize that, that you're, you're maybe just biting off more than you could chew. And it's so disheartening when you see this huge list and you maybe get through like two things and then you feel like, oh, I didn't accomplish anything today. (laughs) But that's not actually true. It's just you just had really high expectations of what you could reasonably get done in one day. So that's great. Okay. Well, um, when it comes to influencing you in your homemaking, who or what would you say has had the biggest influence on you? It'd have to be my mom Mm -hmm. and my older sister. Uh, My mom has never worked outside of the home. Mm -hmm. So she's raised... She still has three at home, but she's raised all of us being a stay-at-home mom. And it made such an impact on me personally. Uh, I just so distinctly remember even right up until I moved out, she would have a meal ready for my dad when he got home. At 5.30, dinner would be either done or almost done. Mm -hmm. And just watching her like orchestrate small things like that, it made Mm -hmm. such a big impact on me. To where I, which my husband gets home really early because he starts really early, but just trying to have a certain time to make sure dinner's ready. And same thing with my sister. She, she's an excellent cook. Dinner is very important to her in preparing a meal. And they both know how to keep a good house that runs smooth, I feel like. Mm -hmm. That's good. What would you say? So meal, it sounds like, um, both of them have influenced you in like making dinner a priority, getting dinner on the table a priority. Is there anything else that you specifically learned maybe from your sister or from your mom? Any other homemaking tasks or anything? I feel like my mom has always been very good about keeping a clean house. Mm -hmm. Um, From when I was very young, I don't ever remember a dirty house. I don't remember Mm -hmm. anything being dirty. And even when we got older, she always just 
The only thing I remember was silverware in the sink still because she didn't like doing silverware. <laughs> um, but otherwise, she just she just enjoyed having a clean house, and mm. that has influenced me as Does well. Does that rubbed off on you? I'm hoping yeah. it has a lot, but I'm still <laughs> working on it. <laughs> I don't like silverware either. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about some expectations and what are some things that have surprised you about homemaking? I mean, you had these two examples to look up to, so you kind of knew what to expect, but what's maybe something that surprised you about it, either good or bad? I have two examples. I have a good and a bad one. Sure. The good, the good thing that surprised me is I didn't realize how fulfilling mm-hmm. homemaking would be. I worked uh, for several years before I got married and my last job right before I got married was very fulfilling to me. It was, you know, utilizing my degree and I felt like I was good at my job. So it was a very fulfilling job to me and I very much enjoyed it. So it was hard to imagine that homemaking would give me that same feeling Mm. because not everyone sees it as a, you know, an actual job or, you know, I just had some of these preconceived ideas. And so when I started to become a homemaker, I was like, wow, this is very fulfilling. I feel like I'm, I'm meeting my needs, but I get to meet someone else's needs. Mm. And it gives you, it just gave me a very good sense of fulfillment. And I, I love it. And I was not expecting that at all. Mm. And I think, uh, an ex. I guess it would be an expectation. Um, I didn't realize how hard it would be to realize that I'm not only making a home for just one person. I'm making a home for two people. Mm -hmm. I'm making a home for myself because I need it to be comfortable for me, but I also need it to be comfortable for my husband. And so it's hard to balance that sometimes because naturally I'm selfish (laughs) in my own self. I want it to be comfortable for me to be easy on me, Mm -hmm. but I have to make it the same way for him. Mm -hmm. I have to kind of let go some of that selfishness. And I didn't know, I didn't realize it would be hard to balance that. I thought because, Oh, I love him so much. It's going to be so easy, Mm -hmm. but I still had to get self out of the way. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's, Man, that is a really hard lesson to learn. And I like I'm 31 years in and I still have to learn that lesson about some things. <laughs> so um, <laughs> what what's maybe something that in order to kind of get over that, you maybe an unrealistic, unrealistic expectation you had or something when you said, you know, you're making a home for two people and it's not just about you being comfortable, but it's about him being, being comfortable. So what's something that you had to adjust so that he would feel comfortable in your home as well, whether that's, you know, the way you decorate your home or the kind of food you buy, or I I don't know, what was it for you that made it more home to him, not just you? He's a very scheduled person. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm not. Mm. And so even just sometimes when he would get home from work, he wants to know, so what's on the schedule now? Like, what are you doing? And then I'll tell you what I'm doing. And that's just not how I work. <laughs> I'm not used to, I just kind of go with the flow. 
I do what I, you know, think needs to be done. But for him, it was very much, he needs to kind of just have a schedule for the evening. And so I got to the point where I kind of understood that about him. And I would try to somewhat have our evenings kind of planned, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or I'll just let him know this is what I'm doing. And then he let me know, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then we could see where we need to mix things or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like that a lot. Let's talk about priorities. What are some practical steps that you take to help you set and keep your priorities and like keep them in order? Um, you know, making time for God, making time for your marriage, and then getting all the home, the home making stuff done as well. Mm-hmm. One practical thing I try to do sometimes, uh, Dallas gets up at about anywhere between 5 to 5.15 every morning and I get up with him. Mm-hmm. And some days I go back to sleep when he leaves. But there's some days if I have a lot to do just to keep everything in order, how it should be, just so I could keep things running in the house, I'll just stay up. Even if I have to take a nap later on in the day, I'll just stay up and I'll get things done. So that's really helped me to keep some priorities straight. Mm-hmm. Um, for God, I'm trying to read my Bible. I like to read my Bible through in a year. Mm-hmm. And so I just make sure, you know, there's a certain amount of chapters I read every day, try to make sure that I get those read. And then I have a set amount of time that I like to pray every day. And what's really helped me keep that a priority is Dallas also has a set time. And we both really like to pray in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And so we try to keep our, our prayer time at the same time. And it really helps because if I don't necessarily feel up to it, he'll tell me, okay, I'm going to go pray for a while. And I'll be like, okay, I'll go pray too. And it keeps, <laughs> it kind of keeps us both accountable. Yeah. <laughs> and it keeps it all, you know, where it needs to be. So having our prayer time in the evening together um, is, is super helpful. And then for, our marriage, one thing that we really try to do, especially right now while we kind of have the, you know, the liberty and the the money to do it, we try to date at least once a week, mm-hmm. go on a date. Um, even if we feel like, you know, we're a little tight and we can't go out, I'll do a date night at home where I'll cook something special that we both like, mm-hmm. make sure there's, there's a dessert, and then just tell him, okay, no chores after we eat. You know, don't go mow the lawn. I'm not going to do that. I'll do the dishes, but that's it. We're not going to do anything else. We'll play games and just hang out. Yeah. And that's that's been fun. We really like that. And then I also try to make our monthly anniversaries something special. Aww. So every time, you know, we hit that month, a year and three months, I would make a meal that I know he really likes or something like that. So just trying to make those little times fun. Oh, I love that. You're still so new. It's like the monthly anniversaries. That's so sweet. I love it. I love it. Um, I love all of these ideas. These are really great ideas. Getting up with him, even though, you know, you're tired. And But one of the things I talk about a lot is we, um, as homemakers, if that's your full-time occupation, uh, primarily, you have a lot more say over your time, you know. And like you said, you can get up with him at five 
And if you're still exhausted at seven, you can take a quick nap at seven, you know, or whatever, go back to bed from Mm -hmm. seven to eight or take a nap in the afternoon. As long as you're managing your time well, you can, we have more pockets of time than others do, than our husbands do certainly um, to, to do that. And I think that's really awesome. It's, it feels like, yeah, I can sacrifice getting up early because I know I can, God will give me that time later, that rest time later. I just have to be disciplined to take the time. (laughs) Yes. Right. I have to be disciplined to not crawl back into bed when the bed is still really warm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is hard. And then, um, I love this evening prayer time together idea. That's such a good idea. Um, to just hold each other accountable and it helps I'm sure with, with the discipline, like you said, when you, um, when you read through the Bible, are you, do you follow a particular plan or I'm always curious to know how people, cause I do that. I do it every year too. And I'm just curious how other people do it. Mm-hmm. I have actually this time, I've just been doing it old to new Testament, just straight okay. through. Cool. I don't know. I, I just really enjoy it that yeah. way. Did you just um, divide it up, figure out how many chapters per day or whatever? And that's just how you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had Dallas get it all figured out. So mm-hmm. for several days I read three chapters and then there's two days where I read four chapters and that should finish me in a year or just a little bit less. Cool. That's awesome. Um, okay. Well, how do you maintain a healthy relationship with um, media, whether you do social media or not, or just media in general? What's your take on that? And how do you, how do you kind of keep that in the right box in your life? So I don't have any social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured out very early on when I was younger, it just was not good for me. And so it was just never a temptation again, because I just knew this does not work for how I am. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, no social media. And then as far as just consuming media, I just tried to make sure that if I'm getting too caught up in it, especially the news, Mm. I want to be aware of what's going on, but sometimes I get so caught up in it that it stresses me out or I start to worry or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. So I'll back off. Um, Sometimes I just take a break from listening to podcasts Mm -hmm. because it's just information, information, and I'll just, just listen to music or some, Mm -hmm. you know, something where I'm not necessarily having to sit here and and consume it and really think about it. So I just try to know where my limits are. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good practice. I think um, we do, we tend to forget. I tend to forget because I love to have some, I'm, I'm I'm multitasking. I'm not really, but I, when I'm doing all my chores around the house, I like to have something in my ears, you know, a book or a podcast or something Mm -hmm. like that. But you're, you're right. Sometimes I just need, silence. (laughs) Like I just need to do Mm -hmm. my work in silence and, you know, maybe pray a little bit and listen to what God has to say to me, um, about what's going on in my life that day or that week. But, um, there, there are definitely places to put, to have some silence in our daily rhythms when it comes to media coming in. It just seems like it's so good. Like I'm learning so much from these books or these podcasts. So it's all good, but sometimes we have to choose something better over that good uh, and give ourselves a little bit of break. So that's good. It's good to know your limits. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard. <laughs> it's hard because I, I really enjoy listening. Oh, I just love podcasts. And so 
just this past week, actually, we were having um, revival services at our church. So we were having a church service every mm-hmm. night with a, you know, a, a special evangelist. And I told my husband, I said, you know, while we're in revival during the days, I'm not going to listen to anything mm-hmm. but music or preaching or something. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me to focus more on our services Mm-hmm. And so I was able to just kind of catch that really early on. Like, I think I need to not just during this season of a week and a half, and then I'll get picked back up afterwards. Yeah, I like that. Um, let's talk about temptations and challenges. So which of these temptations have you struggled with the most and what's God teaching you through it? So A, comparison to other women. B, I'm just a homemaker. I don't get paid. This is not a real job or C superwoman trying to do all the things. It would have to be C trying to do all the things. <laughs> I, I have limits. I have limits on how much I can do, whether it's mental or physical mm-hmm. or, you know, anything like that. Um, but I think I can. So I try. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about any special challenges? Have you faced any particular challenge uh, in your homemaking journey? And what have you done to work through that? And what have you learned? Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that we have struggled with is infertility. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've wanted a family for almost a year now. We've been trying to have a family and it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was hard for me at first to really accept it because in my immediate family, my sister and my mom never struggled with it at all. So in my mind, for some reason, even though I know every woman's different, it made me think that I wouldn't struggle. Mm -hmm. And so when I wasn't able to get pregnant, it just, it was really hard to kind of accept that, okay, it might not happen in my time frame. Um, I just recently have been dealing with some health issues that we're still currently trying to get things figured out. And that's helped me to know when I need to rest. I've been reaching limits physically where I, if I keep going, I'll hurt myself. I'll, you know, it'll affect me later on in the day really badly. Mm -hmm. I'll have a really bad evening if I go too much during the day. So it's kind of helped me to know it's okay to rest sometimes, even if I don't get everything done. Hmm. Um, But one thing I'm really thankful for, um, especially with not being able to get pregnant, it really helped me realize that my trust wasn't quite where it needed to be with the Lord. (laughs) Mm. Um, I thought my trust was fine. And then I faced something where I have to trust him because it's completely out of my hands right now. And he's really, I've just felt him working on me. Seems like every month is getting a little bit easier. You know, when I find out that I'm not, it's getting, Mm -hmm. you know, I still have some days where it's not, but in general, I feel like the Lord has helped me just to put my trust in him. So there's some good that's come Mm -hmm. out of it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm, yeah, that's that's a hard road to walk through. And I'm so sorry that you're struggling with that. Um, but it's good what God is teaching you to lean more into Him and to trust Him more because it is completely out of your hands. You're right. So hospitality, when I ask the question about hospitality, I always ask what's a practical way that you show hospitality um, to the people in your household and to the people outside of your household. And I know a big part of, especially when you're first married and you you have these visions of, most people have these visions of filling the home with little children and you're going to, that's your, that's your first neighbor is your children and your husband. Mm-hmm. Um And so you Mm -hmm. immediately think, oh, I'll have tons of opportunities to show hospitality to them and to their friends and all of that kind of stuff. But that's not your reality right now. So what are, what are you doing to show hospitality towards your husband and then to maybe people outside of your home? One way I try to show hospitality to Dallas is getting up with him every morning and making him breakfast, Mm -hmm. except on Saturdays and Sundays. He's on his own, (laughs) but during the week I get up with him, I make his breakfast and I pack his lunch. He is a very much a, he needs a lot of food for his lunch. He's not a sandwich guy. He -hmm. can't just take a sandwich. He needs, he really likes leftovers. So I always try to make sure to have him a good lunch packed. And that's just one little way that I try to show him that hospitality in one mm-hmm. way, it di- it didn't come naturally to me. So if there's anyone struggling with hospitality, it's not natural to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had to learn it. And I didn't think I would. I thought it would come natural. So having to learn it has been different. But one way I've got to show hospitality that was so much fun is every year in February, we have a big church convention and we have, you know, several people in state traveling several hours and then out of state. And instead of having them rent hotels or Airbnbs or anything, our church women tries to host them all in their houses uh-huh. as much as we can, fill them up. And so this year, since um, this past year is my first year being married and having a house, I got to host um, some people, one really big family and then a couple and it was so much fun. Oh. It was just, it put me to work. <laughs> <laughs> it made me realize, you know, hospitality is not always easy. I I only have, you know, which is me and Dallas, a certain amount of towels. But when there is <laughs> yeah. all of us showering, I have to, you know, constantly have a load of towels going. And so just little things like that, you know, kind of made me work on it and making sure they had you know, a meal and stuff like that. But it was so much fun mm-hmm. to be able to to take care of people where they didn't even have to spend any money. Yeah, that's a great opportunity. How long were they with you? They were with me. Um, the couple was with us from Wednesday to Sunday night. Mm. And then the family was with us from Thursday night to Saturday morning. Okay, so that's a, that's a good amount of time to have house guests. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We'll get back to Jessica's story in just a minute. Right now, it's time for historical homemaking hints. This is the part of the podcast where we highlight some of the helpful and not so helpful hints doled out to homemakers throughout history. Today's hints come from 1003 Household Hints and Work Savers. 
distributed by W.L. Moody & Co. Bankers of Galveston, Texas in 1948. This handy little guide has quite a few tips on saving money with household appliances and surfaces, and it has some interesting things to say about saving money on your telephone bill. Don't trust to memory. Consult the directory for telephone numbers. In most cases, wrong guesses cost a nickel apiece or more. You pay for every moment of overtime when making long-distance calls. You will be surprised to discover how much you can shorten the minutes needed simply by first writing down a list of the subjects you want to discuss. This conversation guide eliminates hemming and hawing and forgetting and saves you time when time is really money. When making long-distance telephone calls, place an hourglass egg timer near your phone. It operates on a three-minute schedule and will warn you exactly when your three minutes are up. When shopping by telephone, make out a want list first so that you save time in giving orders as well as callbacks for suddenly remembered something else's. Wow, that's some really interesting tips from a long time ago when telephone and telephone services were very different than they are today. There may be some of you who remember those days. There may be some of you who remember when we had to pay for text messaging and you would get in trouble from your parents if you went over your your text message allowance for the month. Um, but there is one thing we still do with our phone a little differently than this tip. We still shop with our phone. And this tip that they talked about having um, a needed list or a want list before you make that phone call to shop over the phone, it applies in our modern day phone shopping as well. I always have a list with me before I sit down with either my phone or my computer to put in my online grocery order um, because it helps me to make sure that I don't miss anything uh, and make sure that I don't have to run into the store before I go to the curbside to pick up my groceries because I don't know about your grocery pickup service. But for ours, we have a very limited window. Once I pressed submit for that grocery order, I have a very limited amount of time to go back in and add something that I have forgotten. So I like to make sure that I have all the items needed written down on a list as I go through and I enter them into the online shopping cart. And then I double check that list before I press submit. Well, that's all for today's historical homemaking hints. As always, Please remember that these hints are intended for entertainment purposes only, and we leave it up to you, the listener, to determine the safety and soundness of this advice. And now back to Jessica's story. Okay. And when you were talking about um, packing your husband's lunch, I missed what you said. What does he typically like for a lunch? Because you said he's not, sandwich isn't going to do it. So what do you typically pack for him? I try to do leftovers. Oh, leftovers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. Because not every husband likes leftovers. (laughs) And no, then you got to get really creative. He does. It makes it, <laughs> <laughs> he makes it so easy on me. He, he's a leftover guy. So I'm like, take him. Yeah. I don't care. Oh, good. That's so good. What's your, you're usually making breakfast too. So what's y'all's typical breakfast look like? Mm, he usually could go one whole week eating the same breakfast. So like on Sunday night, I'll ask him, so what do you want this week? Mm-hmm. And Kind of like our regular rotation is waffles will be one week. And then he really, really likes biscuits and chocolate gravy. What? What? What is this? Chocolate gravy? I've never heard of this. (laughs) 
Really? Really? What is it? Okay. Uh, it's like dessert for breakfast, practically. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it is. It is a gravy consistency, so it's you know not too thick, not too thin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you could use cocoa powder, or you could use like chocolate Nesquik, like just the chocolate powder. Mm-hmm. That's what I use, mm-hmm. and then you just use flour and sugar and a little bit of salt, vanilla. You could use milk as a liquid or water. I just use water. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you put some butter. And it's like a gravy consistency, but it's chocolate flavored. Oh my it's a gosh. Southern thing. <laughs> I've never heard of this. And you serve it over buttermilk, like buttermilk biscuits? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I learned something every day. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah. That's one of his favorites. I personally am not a fan of it. Not that it doesn't taste good, but... It's just too sweet for the morning. That's for me. I was gonna say that sounds really, really sweet. Um, hey, yeah. but whatever. That's really that's really funny. Chocolate gravy. Okay, I'm gonna ask you some more questions related to some homemaking tasks and things. And you can give me a short okay. answer or you can tell me a story. So what's your biggest okay. homemaking fail so far? So what I grew up eating rice with almost every single meal. Rice was our starch, no matter what. Dallas grew up eating potatoes as his starch for every meal. So, and I love rice. So when we got married, I was like, you know what? One night I was just like, I'm going to just make rice. And I just know he's going to like it. Even though I knew, I knew he wasn't going to deep down. (laughs) (laughs) He's not a rice person. He doesn't like any type of rice at all. Nothing. No rice is nothing. So I made um, some type of chicken dish with the vegetable and white rice, and I served it to him, and he wanted nothing to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so offended at him. (laughs) Oh. Even though I knew, I knew he wasn't going to like, I set myself up for failure. Um, But he ended up (laughs) eating chili dogs that night. So, (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness. Oh, no rice. I don't know. That would be really hard for me. Um, okay. Yeah, How about is. a recent homemaking win? Um, making all my own homemade bread products. Oh, good for you. Okay. So what does that entail? Regular bread, buns, what? Uh, reg- mm-hmm. uh, regular sandwich bread, any type of dinner rolls, mm-hmm. tortillas, pizza dough, biscuits, Anything that I would normally buy, if I haven't made it, I'll try to make it. Awesome. Good job. So what's a homemaking product or resource that you are loving right now? The resource that I've been really enjoying has been a podcast. Mm -hmm. It is the Elizabeth Elliott podcast. Mm -hmm. I know she's been mentioned on The Art of Home several times. Um, But I feel like every time I listen to... On Spotify, they have a the Elizabeth Elliott podcast where they upload um, her. She did a radio broadcast. They upload those mm-hmm. episodes onto yes onto a podcast form, and I feel like every time I listen to it, I just glean something, even if it's really small. Mm-hmm. She just I don't know. I really enjoy it a lot. So that's been something that I've really liked. Awesome. I feel like it uplifts me. Oh yeah, for sure. 
all all of her writing and yeah, every everything I read from her is just so encouraging. It's it's challenging though. A lot of times she's very like kind of in your face with her challenge. Um but she's you can tell that she's passionate about what she's talking about and yeah, she's been a, such a great resource to all of us homemakers. So I'm really I'm really thankful for the legacy that she left. Um mm-hmm. okay, well, that's really a great resource. Um what's your favorite appliance that you just couldn't live without? My KitchenAid. Oh, answer. well, yeah, cuz you're making all that bread. <laughs> oh, I have put it to good use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so wonderful to uh put the kneading hook on and let it knead the dough. I don't know if you do that or if you like to do it by hand, but mm-hmm. what I there was a time where I was making a lot of of our bread and rolls, dinner rolls and stuff like that. And with four kids and it's like, I don't have time to sit here. I love the process of kneading the bread because it's so therapeutic, but I don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can let that machine yeah. do its thing. And that's great. Do you have any of the uh, like attachments for yours or anything yet? No, I just have the basic paddle, mm-hmm. whisk and dough hook right now. Okay. I was just curious if you had used like, cause they have all the different things that attach to the front that little knob on the front mm-hmm. um yeah I want some of those but those are definitely like Christmas birthday things because they're pretty pricey. They are, they are pricey <laughs> I got a I got the pasta maker one um last Christmas and yeah. I haven't used it yet I'm so ashamed to say that uh but it's on my oh. list to learn how to do gluten-free pasta at home so uh mm-hmm. yeah I'll I'll report back on the show when I finally do get the gumption to do to try that out and I'll let y'all know how it goes. <laughs> um, okay, so what's your favorite favorite homemaking hack or tip? So Dallas is a machinist. So when he comes home, he is very dirty. Mm-hmm. Very, very dirty. So my shower and tub. Sometimes it just feels hopeless keeping it clean <laughs> because he's always so dirty. So like that grime that kind of builds up. Yeah. I have discovered that Dawn Power Wash will get that off with like hardly any elbow grease whatsoever. Dawn Power Wash. I haven't heard of this. Is it yes. is it like a spray or is it a soap or? Yes. Oh, I'm obsessed with Dawn Power Wash right now. Okay. <laughs> it's a it's a dishwashing spray. Um, so you put the um, the nozzle on in it, and it comes out as a foam spray. And you oh. spray it on your dishes. It's really good on like um, things that are really stuck. Like mm-hmm. sometimes if I bake something in a casserole dish, instead of having to let it soak, I could just spray Power Wash on it, and it gets it off really easy. And then I just found out that. It works really well in the t- uh, tub and shower. That is so smart. I didn't even know that was a thing. But I mean, I know pe- a lot of people use Dawn, you know, um, regular old Dawn if they're making like their own mm-hmm. home cleaning products and stuff. They put a few drops of Dawn because apparently it works wonders on everything. So Dawn Power mm-hmm. Wash. Yeah, I make, okay. um, yeah, with just the Dawn dish soap, I do make, I make my own laundry soap, oh. my own laundry detergent, and I do use the Dawn just the liquid. Oh, okay. So I've never heard of that, of putting the Dawn in your laundry soap. What's like, what's your basic, I mean, you don't have to tell me exact measurements, but what, what else goes in there? Yeah. Mine is super basic. I do a liquid. I want to eventually try a powder, but the liquid is just easier. Mm-hmm. It's just Dawn, um, dish soap, the blue one, mm-hmm. uh, the borax and then the, um, washing soda. Mm-hmm. 
the Arm & Hammer washing soda, and then um, hot water just to mix it all up. But it's just those three ingredients. It's really basic, but I've actually really liked it. Cool. All right. Maybe I can get the um, amounts from you and we can share it in the newsletter. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I know you've just been married for over just over a year, but um, do you have a signature dish yet or something that you're working on, working towards perfecting? I don't feel like I have a signature dish quite yet. My husband would argue. He would say enchiladas. I don't think so. <laughs> but one thing I'm trying to perfect, and I've done at least three recipes, and I just cannot get it quite how I want it, is Hawaiian rolls. Oh, yeah. Because I don't want to buy them, but I love we love sliders. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to perfect it. I've tried so many recipes, and I just can't get the texture quite how I mm-hmm. want it. So I'm still working on You're that one. You're still working on that one. <laughs> I wouldn't even, yeah, I, I wouldn't even think to make your own Hawaiian rolls. So is it like a basic yeast dough recipe, but then you're adding extra sugar or something to make it sweet? Uh, yeah, so it's a basic yeast dough recipe um, to add kind of like that tanginess almost yeah. that's in Hawaiian rolls. Uh-huh. It's pineapple juice is the liquid. Really? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I... I think I've used a recipe that does sugar and one that does honey, but it is a pretty, it's a more amount than what you would normally use Mm -hmm. for that sweetness. Oh, okay, cool. But I just can't get the texture quite right. (laughs) Oh, okay. And so it's more of it. It's not, you feel like you've got the taste. You just don't have the texture quite right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe since you haven't perfected that yet, I can get your, uh, biscuits and chocolate gravy recipe and share with everybody on <laughs> in the newsletter if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. That'd be Oh yeah, that'd, for sure. That'd be awesome cuz I'm sure that I'm not the only one who's like I got to try this chocolate gravy business. Okay, let's talk about the art of home a little bit. So, how do you see homemaking as an art and where do you find beauty in the art of homemaking? So when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking like with any art. So if anyone is an artist and they're creating something, some people have a natural knack for creating things. Mm -hmm. You have a natural, you know, ability to do that. And for some people, there's a learning curve. Yeah. And I feel like for me, (laughs) it was definitely a learning curve. Um, But I think the way that you approach it as an art is any artist is going to try to perfect or get just right what they're creating. Mm -hmm. And I feel like especially if you are a woman of God and you're trying to serve the Lord and you feel called to homemaking, Mm -hmm. you should be trying to perfect that art. Not that it's going to be perfect, but you should strive for that because it's something you're trying to create. You're trying to create a home, just like an artist is trying to create a piece of artwork and you're going to try to make it as pretty Mm -hmm. and as enjoyable as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I love that answer. I think maybe I know exactly what you mean. um, But when we say that word perfecting it, we think we have a lot of negative connotation because we don't want to be perfectionist, but maybe excellence is a better word, mm-hmm. you know, we, str- as an artist would strive for excellence 
in their artwork. They would strive to to make their painting or their sculpture excellent to the best of their ability. And I think we can look at homemaking the same way. Right. Yeah. Um, so where are you finding the beauty? Because there's a whole lot of stuff about homemaking that's not really beautiful. It's so wonderful when, when you have people living in your home and they like living in your mm, home. Yeah. Because, I mean, I might not like doing the dishes after dinner every night, but when I do the dishes and the kitchen's clean and the house is picked up, I'm making it comfortable. This person enjoys living here. I enjoy living here. That's where it's it's a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. But the actual work of it is not always beautiful. Mm-hmm. I like that way of looking at it. I love I love the way you said that, that um, we're aiming for people to enjoy living in our home, whether that's us or our husband or our kids. That's a good way to think yeah. about it. What about thankfulness? So what's something about homemaking that you're thankful for and, and how has gratitude improved your experience of keeping a home? Earlier, I mentioned something about getting myself out of the way. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'm so thankful for is not only keeping a home, but living with another person when you've lived alone for a while. Yeah. It's not fun to see, but it does bring some of your faults to light. Mm. And I have realized we, me and Dallas have had several conversations just talking about before we were married, how selfish we were. And you have to, you have to get that out of the way in order to make it a good place to live. And homemaking has forced me to not be as selfish. It can't be about me anymore all the time. Yeah. There's someone else that has to be cared for. And it has, it shaped me to be better to not just think about myself all the time. And I'm so thankful for that. Mm. That's a wonderful thing to recognize that you both recognize it too is good because when you're living by yourself, uh, you don't recognize it because it's just you, you know, um, Mm-hmm. It's not until you you get that close contact with another person and, and the friction there is what brings out the the things. And God uses that to mm-hmm. refine us. And so it can be painful <laughs> at times. Yes. But the outcome is is good if we yield to it and we listen to what he has to to say and to teach us through that. That's really great. Well, let's wrap up our time today and we're going to talk to some of the other women. So we're going to talk to the older women and the younger women. How would you say, how, how can older women help your generation of homemakers thrive in their practice of the art of home? What do you need help with? What do you wish they understood about your experience and and how can they enter in and minister to you and help you? For me personally, I do gravitate, I feel like, to, like, older women. I enjoy listening to stories and experiences. Mm-hmm. So for me, what would help me is to have those older women in those generations before me make themselves available to to listen and to share their experiences. Um, there's so much wisdom. Mm-hmm. There's so much wisdom and 
I love to hear that kind of stuff, but they don't always want to hang out with the young generation because they think we're just all clueless and careless. <laughs> you know, kind of, we all kind of get lumped into this, this, you know, generation yeah. where I feel like the older generation thinks that, you know, we're just a little flighty. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. are you, <laughs> I want what generation realize. are you? Are you millennial or are you, uh, okay. I'm a millennial. Yeah. I know all the generations, we all have a, a bad rap in one way or another, like the, I, the boomers and I'm not a boomer. I'm an exer, and we're all just cynical and we don't trust anybody, <laughs> which is kind of true, kind of, but it's not, you're right. It's not, we can't just lump people into these categories. Um, cause that's not really seeing the person. So yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. So be available, make yourself available. Okay. What about to the younger women? What would you say to a younger woman coming behind you, maybe to just encourage her and yeah. One thing I would say, because I really struggled with this, is to manage your expectations. Not because homemaking and marriage aren't wonderful. They are. It is wonderful. But if you set your expectations so high and you don't meet them, you're going to feel like a failure because that's just how we're wired. We, we want to get things accomplished and we have these ex- expectations of this is how I'm going to be as a wife and this is how I'm going to be as a homemaker. And then when you get married, you don't live up to the idea that you had that you were going to be. And so then you see yourself like not good enough. So I would just say reevaluate and adjust as needed. Mm. Try to keep your expectations manageable. I mean, it's wonderful being married, keeping house is great, but you have to adjust for those things that you're not prepared for. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you reevaluate, even before you enter into it, reevaluate your expectations, adjust what needs to be adjusted. That way you don't have to do it later on. I felt like I had to do it when we were already married and it was way harder because there were so many times I felt like I wasn't a good wife and I wasn't keeping a good home. Mm -hmm. But that's because I was expecting myself to be something that I just couldn't live up to at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good word. And I mean, I will say too, I think do, do that work. Um, yes, I agree with you to the younger women. Really take a, a, a good look at what your expectations are and and go into it, not with low expectations, but just hold them loosely, I guess. Um, right. And then right. even after you're married, even after you're 10, 20, 30 years in, I'm constantly reevaluating my expectations and making sure that they mm-hmm. aren't unrealistic, making sure that they're not selfish or, you know, whatever it is, I'm trying to mm-hmm. manage expectations because that to me, that's one of the number one areas where, where I get into trouble is when I have certain expectations and I feel like they're not being met and I'll either react in anger or, you know, sorrow or mm-hmm. um, frustration or any number of negative ways. So managing expectations is huge. I think for the homemaker to, it's a, it's a good practice to be in all the time. So Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
Well, Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your story of home with us. It's really been a joy to get to spend this time with you and get to know you and and hear your story. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. I'm so glad. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this homemaker portrait of Jessica Wood. I hope you have been inspired and encouraged in your practice of the art of home through listening to Jessica's stories and ideas and that you found something that will inspire you as you go about your good work in the home. I was inspired by Jessica and some of her practical suggestions and just her perspective, um, again, to be reminded that homemaking in all its various aspects does not necessarily come naturally to most of us, actually. It's not a skill you're just born knowing how to do. You have to practice. That's why I called this podcast, The Art of Home, because just like any art, it is something that you need to first learn the fundamentals of and then master those fundamentals over a very long period of time by practicing over and over again. That is how you grow. That is how um, the fundamentals of any art that you're trying to practice come more and more naturally to you. We've talked about this before on some of our past episodes about how it can seem so overwhelming in the beginning because your baseline on some of these um, skills is like at zero. You just have no point of reference. You have no skills. And so any effort towards improving in that area, whether it's cooking or cleaning or organizing, it's going to feel monumental because you have not practiced those muscles. You haven't um, worked on that skill enough to reach a baseline that is not necessarily mastery level, but at least a basic level of competency. Then you can work on growing and mastery. Where we really have to be careful is when we start to compare what our baseline is with what somebody else's mastery level is. If if I'm at baseline on a skill and I look at my neighbor, uh, the lady down the street or the lady on Instagram, and she's at a mastery level, and then I try to compare, that's not a fair comparison. I don't know how many hours and hours of practice have gone into her being a master at, you know, laundry or sourdough or scheduling kids homeschool. I don't know, fill in the blank. Just be careful when you look at other people and compare. Rather than comparing, look at others and and don't assume it just comes naturally to them. Assume that they've worked really hard to get to that level of mastery and then approach them and ask them to help you grow in that area. That's why community among homemakers is so, so important. Yes, there is value in community online. I'm not uh, dissing that and saying that there's no value there. Definitely take advantage of that, but also community in real life. Go find those ladies who have mastery in areas that you are lacking in and pick their brain and sit under their tutelage and learn from them because it doesn't come naturally to everybody. You're not the odd one out because you're struggling in a particular area of your homemaking. And I think that's what Jessica was talking about. She was starting to realize that it's okay that things don't come naturally to her in her homemaking. That's why it can be such a fulfilling job, which she said was so surprising to her when she started doing this full-time after being in the workforce full-time with a job that really fulfilled her. She wasn't expecting homemaking to be so fulfilling. And I personally believe that a lot of that fulfillment comes from tackling those areas where you are lacking and doing the hard work of practicing the art over and over again until you reach a level of mastery. Not perfection, but excellence. Remember, that's what we talked about, the difference between those two words. We're not looking to be perfect because we know that's not possible. We are looking to to be excellent in the work that we do in the home because that's what 
honors the Lord and it honors this occupation of homemaking that we are called to. If you would like another weekly dose of homemaking inspiration and ideas and thoughts and devotionals occasionally, uh, make sure that you're subscribed to our free weekly newsletter, Homemaker Happy Mail. It goes out every Friday at midnight, the Friday right after this episode airs. We'll have everything extra from Jessica's episode. So yes, she is going to share her chocolate gravy recipe with us. So that'll be in there. Um, her recipe for her homemade laundry soap is going to be in there and any extra links or anything that um, we discussed, I will make sure those are all in those detailed show notes that go in the newsletter. Um, there'll be some extras there for me as well. So make sure you're signed up. Go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. If you have found value in today's episode, you can show us some appreciation and love in one of the following ways. Number one, share this episode with someone you know who would be inspired and encouraged by Jessica's story. Number two, leave a rating and a review on your favorite listening app. And then number three, if you're so moved, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, buy me a coffee. Tips are given in $5 increments. You can give one, two, three, or as many coffees as you would like. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash the art of home. Well, that is it for today's episode and for season 15. I'll be thinking about you guys next week when I'm at the podcast conference. Um, and But then I'll be back the following week with all new homemaker portraits of listeners just like you. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home. <laughs>